KeyCon is designed for technical team leads, architects, engineering directors, and project managers who influence innovation in their teams. So they probably don't know JavaScript. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. <laughs> Hello. Pam! Hi. I was spinning. It was really good. What have you all been talking about? Uh, QCon and Apple Watch Bands. Have you talked about LambdaConf? No, we have not. Well, how was it? It was really good. Did I... you go to PeerScript stuff? No, I did not. Mm. Uh, that was on Thursday. They had they had some talks uh, throughout the weekend as well. Uh, but PeerScript conference was Thursday, and I flew in Thursday and had a lot of other stuff to do Thursday, family stuff. But yeah, it was a really good conference. Uh, I learned a lot. I gave a talk. What were a few things that you learned? So Brian McKenna, who's puffin' fresh on Twitter and was on this podcast a few months ago, uh, he gave a talk on Idris, 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 uh, which is a dependently typed programming language that is also, it, uh, it's in the ML family, so it looks like Haskell, uh, looks almost exactly like Haskell. Uh, but it was really, really interesting. Uh, basically, it has a proof assistant built into it. I'm going to say a lot of words that I don't, that I don't know what they mean, so if I get them wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, but basically, he was giving examples, and, and, and this was a workshop on uh, on Friday, so you had the code on your machine too, and you could play around with it. So he was he was giving examples of like how to solve proofs. So he would he would make a proof that was like, or a like a type signature that was like, if you not something twice, right? So if you like take a boolean like false, and you do like bang bang in front of it, or not not, then you should get the same thing back, right? So. He made a proof for that, and basically, like it just does this crazy thing where you, it, it pattern matches on the left hand. Um, yeah, it's hard to explain without showing code, but you, you pattern match on the left hand side. So uh, you say like not not, and then a variable, right? So imagine a function called not not, and you pass it a variable which could be false or true. So in Haskell and a bunch of other programming languages and Idris, you could pattern match on that. So you could have like actually two definitions of. Um, not not one would be like not not false equals false and not not true equals true but how he started was not not you know bool equals and then he would write a word with a question mark at the end and idris would treat that that variable as a whole h-o-l-e i thought it was w-h-o-l-e and i learned it was actually h-o-l-e so a hole in a proof is something that has not been solved yet <clears throat> and then you could enter in this mode where you could say uh I forget the exact words, but basically, you like you import the scope, and then you say uh, rewrite the whole, and then you write the word trivial and press enter, and then it just works. <laughs> uh, and then there's like a shortcut to do all that when when everything's in the type signature and kind of obvious to Idris, you can just write uh, refl, which I think stands for reflect, but I'm gonna look it up to make sure. Um, I don't know. It was crazy. And there's a lot of people that were much smarter than me in the room, and they seemed also equally impressed by. Uh, by Idris's ability to just like skip a bunch of steps and figure out the answer. Uh, so that was really cool. I don't know that I'll use Idris for anything anytime soon, but I learned a lot. And also, uh, Brian McKenna has a really great way of breaking down problems into really small uh, digestible chunks. And he doesn't hesitate to explain them uh, a bunch of different ways when people ask questions. So I feel like the audience like really got a lot, especially me. Like I got a lot out of... Um, him rewording his explanations over and over again with great patience to the audience. So that was really great. Uh, what other talks did I really enjoy? Uh, the keynote Saturday morning was called Ipecac for Ouroboros. 
Uh, I caught the tail end of it, but I caught just enough to buy a book on Amazon called, uh, a children's book, by the way, uh, called A House is a House for Me. Uh, he, he had incorporated that into his talk, and that's probably not what he wanted me to take away from the talk, but <laughs> I, really, I really enjoyed uh, him rewriting those, those rhymes and then suggesting the book. Uh, I went to a talk on constraint logic programming with this piece of software called Eclipse, which is a based on a prologue dialect, I think. Uh, and Eclipse is a terrible, terrible name for a project to be Googleable by the software industry. <laughs> Um, so you have to like search for Eclipse CLP and then you can usually find it. Uh, <clears throat> so that was really interesting. We did, I learned some logic programming where it was really interesting. So instead of like, so let's say you have a function that adds two numbers. So you say like add A, B, right? That function returns something. Well, in this language, I'm just going to call it prologue. I'm not sure what language it is though. Uh, in prologue, you can actually say uh, add a, so, so let's say you have a uh, function that adds two numbers. It actually takes three arguments, and the result is the third argument. And so you'd say add one, two, and then maybe pass r for result. And then it would fill in that, that last blank spot with the result. So then your result would then be bound to three, right? But you could also say add a two, three, and then a would become one. Like it would just figure out like that's what you need to get three. Does that make sense? Like, you don't have to always, in, in Prolog, I guess, the way that um, logic programming works, you're not actually, like, returning a result. You're filling in all the possibilities of, um, you're, you're essentially, like, solving. Uh, so that was really neat. Uh, that was also over my head, and we did some workshops on Friday where uh, we solved a bunch of problems in, in Eclipse, CLP, and, and Prolog. Uh, that was really neat. I had never done any logic programming previously. There were also a lot of uh, mathy academic kind of talks, which I sat in hoping to absorb, uh, but I didn't really get a whole lot out of those. <laughs> also, Boulder, Colorado is beautiful, and the conference organizers did a really great job throwing the throwing the event. Do you know if they meet the recorded goal or the goal to record <clears throat> the conference? I'm pretty sure they did not meet it, but I saw cameras there, so I'm not sure. I think I could be wrong, but I think Indiegogo, you get the money no matter what. Whereas Kickstarter, you need to like hit some the threshold. So I think whatever was donated, I think it was like at least a few thousand dollars. I think still goes to to the organizers to do video stuff. Um, but I could be wrong. Yeah, they, they had a Indiegogo campaign to record all the talks and post them online. And I, I saw recording equipment in all the talks, but I'm not sure what their plans are for that. Cool. But Boulder's really cool. Went for a uh, went for a hike Sunday morning. You like walk ten minutes out of the town, and you're in the mountains and with these beautiful views. Uh, Elon Musk's mom owns a restaurant there called The Kitchen. I did not go there, but it seemed cool. I found Justin's Peanut Butter Headquarters. Took a picture in front of that selfie. I mean, it's good peanut butter. It is. It is good peanut butter. Uh, what else? Flying with a nine month old is fun. That was a joke, right? It actually wasn't. She was she was great, and you know, when I talk about conversation starter, like and meeting people, <laughs> bring a bring a baby with you, and everybody wants to talk to you. Are you? People say the same thing about dogs, Justin. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you you have so this... bring a dog or a baby with you. Yes, to meet, meet people. And bring something yes. cute. I'm not saying that that I wanted to meet people. I'm just saying instead of just like sitting in our own little bubble, like we were constantly talking to people, and that was kind of enjoyable. 
Do you take Piper to the conference or just in Colorado in general? Just in Colorado. Okay. What were some of the questions people asked after your talk? Uh, after my talk? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really get a lot of questions. Uh, somebody recommended some more resources. Um, I talked to some one person that just enjoyed it in general and wanted to talk more about it, uh, but we didn't really have time. Cool. I stumbled upon Pivotal Labs' office there. Well, trackers made in Colorado, right? I don't know. I think so. I had no idea. Did you go in? No, it was it was uh, Sunday. Okay. Did they have a sign or something like a giant sign? Yeah, in the window it said Pivotal. Mm-hmm. Pivotal Labs. I was like, oh my god, I know what that is. So Len, what's new with you? Um, I feel bad because I've not done any side programming because I've been preparing to move. That's cool. Where to, Len? You're a great actor, Javon. Not actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend got a, a job at Seattle University, so I'll be moving to Seattle in the next month. Congratulations. Thanks. Heard Seattle is a cool town. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was uh, feeling very anxious about moving to a city that I had never lived in, so I went out just to get a lay of the land. What did you find? Um, people tend to ask me, like, where am I going to work when I tell them I'm going to move to Seattle? Uh, and that's not really what they're asking. Um, they're asking, like, who I'm going to work for. That's not a question I'm really concerned about. But uh, where I'm going to work is actually what I am worried about. So, you know, as an adult, it's like, it's hard to, like, uproot yourself and go to a new city. It's, like, hard to meet people. I'm, uh, you know, a big fan of uh, co-working and CrossFit, and I'm definitely going to miss my communities uh, here. So I basically, I went to Seattle and just visited a co-working place and a CrossFit in, like, a bunch of different neighborhoods. And luckily, my favorite two were in the same neighborhood, so I'm all set. Oh, cool. I'll be co-working at Office Nomads, and I will be CrossFitting at Foundation CrossFit in Capitol Hill. Did you get an apartment with a dog park upstairs? <laughs> upstairs? How did you guess? Well, I'm assuming. Those sound that's so cool. Seattle is the most ridiculously dog-friendly city that I've ever seen. Every single establishment basically allows dogs. Uh, sadly, Cory is not establishment-friendly, but <laughs> all the establishments are dog-friendly. I was at this JavaScript meetup, and we were coding for like two hours in a bar. And then this guy gets up to walk his dog, and there was just a dog under the table for the last two hours, and I had no idea. It was like the most well-behaved dog. Office Nomad's website has pictures of people on it. Yep. It passes the Alex Hillman uh, co-working <laughs> test. Can you elaborate that test just for people who aren't familiar with our obscure Philadelphia <laughs> references? I thought I talked about it a couple episodes ago, but yeah, uh, you know, when you're looking at a co-working place, uh, and you know, one of the mistakes a lot of co-working places make is opening up kind of before they have a community and you know worrying about all the equipment they're going to get all the desks they're going to get uh, and then they'll bake a website and they'll just have pictures of of desks and look at this beautiful space you can work at as opposed to like look at this you know wonderful community you can work with and actually alex was just on uh the last episode of the freelancer show talking about co-working so i'll put a link to that in the in the show notes as well so what do you do between community and starting what like do you post pictures of your space or do you just like have a website <coughs> that says come work here oh well the way that indie well i will probably let len tell this because he probably knows better than i do but the way that i i'm aware of indie hall starting was people got together and co-worked before they made indie hall mm. 
Yeah, that makes and sense. Alex mentioned that in the, in the Freelancer Show uh, podcast as well. But uh, I also had a friend in, in Ann Arbor who started a co-working place, and they did the same thing. Uh, get a group of eight people uh, and start co-working without the space. Just meet up at the same coffee shop uh, until you realize, you know, these people are going to show up and you have enough people to warrant getting space. I feel like that's the story of the the business and the software developer. Like, like we always say that, oh, you should you should not plan or like you shouldn't have strict deadlines. And people that get co-working or, or I guess people in tech would get together, but like a business person starting a co-working space wouldn't think about that or would be like, uh, that's crazy, but it makes sense. I think it's hard to uh, you know run your business and such intangible things like the software development process or like something as intangible as community that makes you want to go to a co-working place. Or a CrossFit. Actually, I went to the worst CrossFit I could ever imagine. <laughs> a few times people told me they went to a CrossFit and they hated it. And I was always confused how that could possibly be. And I went to this terrible CrossFit. And if that was my exposure to CrossFit, I would absolutely hate it. It was just all these bros that just cheered on the top guy, which is like antithetical to how I've always seen CrossFit. Everyone usually cheers for whoever's in last place because... Whoever finishes first is finished before anyone else, so no one's going to be there to cheer them on. And then everyone's there cheering on for the person in last place. And in this gym, for some reason, no one cared. Like, the poor guy was in last was just like, everyone else was like in the locker room, and he's just like working out by himself. It was sad. The mountain should go there and show all of them up and be like, <laughs> yeah. Does he prefer to be called the mountain? Um, I don't know. I don't know his real name. I can't pronounce his real name. He goes by Thor. Oh, yeah. The mountain from Game of Thrones was at Lens Gym two weeks ago. Yeah. Did you get a picture with him? No, I walked out. I walked in while he was walking out. Mm. But he's a very big man. He's uh, six foot nine, 400 pounds. I could take him. Salem, what are you going to be doing for work? Uh, I just mentioned I'm not. I'm not sure yet. So I have a rant. I think we talked about it at lunch. Is that my rant about how people are bad at looking for jobs? Basically, everyone in the job space is bad at everything, but people focus on the recruiters or they focus on the companies and they don't, I don't see, like, I mean, I guess people do always, I guess when you can't blame anyone else, you blame the people who are interviewing, but like, but they really are bad at it. Like people are really bad at looking for jobs. Like I see, I saw, I, yeah, I, I have talked about this on the podcast before. Like I saw someone who, like I know got a job and then I looked through their like, you know, Twitter that had, you know, like a hundred followers and they had tweeted that they were looking for a job as a Rails developer like three months ago. And it's like, how are you not poached? Why is everyone hiring so lazy? But then it's also, uh, anyway, yeah. So wait, what mistake do you think they made? <sighs> I guess I don't they're... have a point. I don't have a point. I guess my point is that like, if you are someone who has the ability to hire for a remote or for a Seattle and you hear that Len Smith is on the table, you should, you know, pick up your internet version of the telephone, aka your email, and <laughs> bother Len Smith and be like, Len Smith, I have a pile of money that I would like to offer you because we don't stay on the market very long. I just people are dumb. I don't think they understand how how alive the market is. So dumb, Len. Len's not dumb. Len's good at finding things. Piles other, of other, money. other people aren't as good at finding things as Lynn. Yeah. I think all of us are pretty good at finding things. I mean, this doesn't really speak to uh, recruiters or HR people. And I'm sure many of them are really good at their, their job. Um, but for people looking for jobs, they only look for jobs, you know, once every few years. 
So it makes sense that they're not. It's not a skill that you. That's a good point. That's like, a, that's actually a nice in. point. Because well, because the thing is, I've been thinking about writing something about it, like writing a book that's like burn your resume, like stop writing resumes. If you write a resume, if you have a resume, you're doing it wrong. Burn your resume, trash your LinkedIn profile. No, it, no, you keep your LinkedIn profile. Sadly, immutable. You keep your LinkedIn appears. profile so that anytime someone asks you for a resume, you say, "Well, I have a LinkedIn." That's it true. Means you never have to make a resume because resumes are bullshit. Well, you could submit your LinkedIn and set up a resume these days. Mm, not always. A lot mm. of people still say, "Send me your resume as an attachment." It's dumb. I mean, LinkedIn will like you just refuse to do it. Seriously, just resume. refuse. And <laughs> <laughs> just say, "I'm not doing that," and then they'll deal if they want to hire you. It is a pretty terrible way to like communicate yourself. Resumes exist for people to not have to read resumes. So you just like look at a pile and be like, that one. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've said that before on the podcast, is that resumes exist so that people don't have to read resumes. That's literally why they exist. People design resumes. Everything you read about how to write a resume is to get to the point really quickly, put a bunch of numbers and buzzwords on there, uh, keep it to one page. It's all designed so that someone doesn't have to read it because they aren't going to read it. So if you're competing on the basis of a thing that no one reads... You are playing the wrong game. It's basically paper SEO. Yeah, it really is. Because you can write a good resume. And some people write killer resumes. My resume sucks. Like, <laughs> I like I refuse to send it. My resume sucks. If someone wants to, like, help fix it, that'd be great. But, like, I, I seriously have people be like, wow, you are, like, 800% better than your resume. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I refuse to send it. When I when I worked in a small to medium size IT uh, doing, like, Microsoft stuff, I curated my resume on a regular basis and like put bullet points like you know help do this um and then i switched to software development so now so my resume looks like uh a bunch of like few year jobs with a bunch of bullet points that look really flushed out and then for the past few years it just says software developer and just list clients and nothing else <laughs> so i don't know what to put there made shit made, made stuff for these people no i definitely enjoyed getting to that point where i delete stuff from my resume I think my first like five years, I would just put anything I like marginally knew on my resume. I would put it that I worked at Wawa and made sandwiches, and I had a really good. Um... Were you are you a sandwich artist at Wawa? What's yeah. the? Uh, you know, I, I didn't actually. Nomenclature at Wawa. Also, uh, can you make me a sandwich sometime? Do you still have your sandwich making skills, or are they lost? You know, I didn't make sandwiches very often, but times that I did, I got really high compliments on it. Um, I mean, although, I, although you're vegetarian, so you need like a. I've never made a vegetarian sandwich. She needs a cucumber bagel one without the cream in it. That's awfully specific. Yeah, what? <laughs> Does Wawa have anything Jervon vegetarian? Uh, I'm sure they do. Maybe like a cheese quesadilla. Also, Wawa started baking their own bread on site, and it's terrible now. And they also do too many things. They made it fresher, and it's worse? No, it's like half-baked now. Is it like the bake-at-home stuff that you need to bake? No. no. They, they just don't bake it. So they get the bake-at-home stuff, and then they just don't leave it in the oven. That's surprising because everything there is like all numbers. It's like everything has instructions. Like You can't mess anything up. <laughs> then does, Wawa, uh, does Seattle have a Wawa-like thing? Uh, or that, sheets? That's a good question. I don't know. But sheets is definitely better than Wawa. You think Sheets is better than Wawa? I mean, I don't really eat that food much anymore, but I grew up with Sheets and Wawa, so. AM, PM? I mean, if we really want to go there, Turkey Hill is king. Turkey Hill is pretty good. Turkey Hill serves sandwiches, though? No. Uh... Wait, where's Turkey Hill? There's some in the Poconos and, like, up there. Yeah, Northeast PA. Like, you, you've seen, like, the Turkey I've, Hill, I've like... actually never been to the Poconos. Really? You should go up. It's pretty nice up there. Summer Ah, uh, yeah. 
there's uh, there's lakes and stuff to do. Um, and then in the winter, there's a lot of ski resorts. You can go to Scranton and see where they film The Office. <laughs> Scran- I heard Scranton has good pizza and wings. Did you? Yeah, from someone that used to live there, which is surprising. Like, no one ever talks about that. Pizza's really different there. It's a lot sweeter. Sweeter? Yeah, everyone puts, like, a lot of sugar in their pasta sauce. What are we talking about? Sandwiches? Resumes? Pam thinks the resume is dead, and she is forming a revolution, too. That somehow involves Justin making me a sandwich. Yes. I think that that was a how we ended up in that conversation. sandwich, which I'm still contemplating how to do. So, so okay, Justin. Sorry, pause. Yeah. I mean, I know that we've now like reached the you know peak Turing and complete, where like we've already talked about CrossFit, and now we have to talk about veganism. <laughs> but like, but you just use vegetables. I'm sorry, Justin. Like, sorry, not sorry, but like, it's not that hard to make a vegetarian sandwich. You put vegetables on a sandwich. It's really not hard. Like, grill, sandwich, some, zu- grill sandwich- some zucchini, grill some zucchini and stuff, and then you put some like balsamic dressing on it, like like a balsamic reduction, mm-hmm. and then you have some badass sandwich action. Like, it's really not hard. Maybe some capers in there if you like the salt. Like, it's all good. It's all vegetables. Anyway, we can move on from my sandwich. Portobello mushroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Portobello mushrooms. Perfect. All right. Great. I got it. Yeah. Pam will be at my barbecue instead of... <laughs> I will not be at your barbecue instead of Liberty JS. <laughs> um, which I don't know if I've talked about Liberty JS on here. You should let me minorly shill for a minute. Hey, what's Liberty JS? Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking, Justin. Um, so Liberty JS is is our second year doing the one-day uh, JavaScript conference. Really, the, the purpose of Liberty JS is to be a summertime JavaScript party in Philadelphia. Uh, so if that appeals to you, listeners, you should come. Um, tickets are very cheap. We keep it as a community event, all volunteer organized, um, all that business. $25 for a ticket. Um, we are finalizing the schedule, but I can guarantee it'll be a lot of fun and uh, and everyone should come. And it's going to be so much fun. And it's June 20th in Philadelphia. So uh, prices do go up June 1. So $25 right now. One day, one track? Uh, one day, I think mm, we might do multi-track. It depends on what the final content is. We won't, uh, we won't, you know, compromise on content, but it might be multi-track. I think the idea is uh, some morning workshops. So we'll have multiple workshops to choose from in the morning. So not single track then, and then single track talks in the afternoon. But I'm not on the programming committee, and they're finalizing that right now. So it, it's pretty fun to work on a I work on an awesome team putting it together. And so I'm handling sponsorship. We're still ha- accepting sponsors. Um, and uh, then another another set of people is handling the uh, the proposals and finalizing the schedule. So, but yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I Sadly, wish I Justin's having a barbecue, but yeah, I wish I could go. Yeah, seems cool. It's okay, you can just have a Turing and complete barbecue at another time. Okay. Done. Maybe before Len leaves for Seattle in the next few weeks. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. So, uh, nah, this is gonna. It would be too niche. I was gonna ask how far, like, literally, how many miles your place is from Philadelphia. Um, thirteen point one. Ooh, I could totally bicycle there. I'm not actually sure on that, but I, I think yeah. I think based it, on my taxes last 20, year, that's about it. Because I mean, because obviously it's like a little bit longer if I don't take the highway. But if it's only like twenty miles, I can bike there. Yeah, there's, a, there's a train too. How would you cross the river? Which bridge would you take? <laughs> I was, like, I was about to say the bridge, Jervon. <laughs> like not. A I'm not gonna, I guess they have Oregon Trail. I'm not gonna right? like. I'm not gonna ford my bicycle across the <laughs> across the Delaware River. <laughs> I just remember Ben Franklin has has uh, <laughs> just super wide sidewalks. <laughs> I'll steal a stand-up paddleboard from Spruce Street Harbor Park. 
com- I'm commandeering this vessel <laughs> to go to New Jersey. You could take the ferry. I could take the ferry. That was one one of the, like that would be kind of fun. Um, is there a ferry that crosses the, the river? Yeah, there's a there's a yeah, there's a ferry that goes from Philadelphia to Camden. It's a uh, it's it's really nice. I think it goes from Walnut Street to Susquehanna Center. So that way you can if you're going from Center City, you can go to a show and then, you know, catch the ferry back to Philadelphia and take a cab home. If you got your if you got your party on. Is that Corey? Uh, yeah, I can hear. <laughs> no, you, you can hear Corey panting. Oh, are we doing just popcorn cuz I have a random thing. Yeah. So uh, my friend uh, Chuki, I guess I don't have to say that it, my friend made it, but she made this awesome watch face uh, for, uh, she updated uh, her app that's for Android Wear. It's called Fit Cat. And it's this adorable cat. I mean, as you might guess, that it track it fits into Google Fit or whatever that thing is. I don't know. I don't have Android Wear. But it... Uh, it tracks your steps, and the adorable cat does different things and gets fitter as you get fitter <laughs> the more steps you take. Wow. So that's pretty cute. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's like the only reason I've ever wanted an Android Wear is so I can have a silly cat and watch face. But I wish I'll drop it in the show notes because I, I think it's fantastic. I love it. Love it. Love it. I wish the Apple Watch had more faces. Mm-hmm. More, uh, what are they I called? wish the Apple Watch had less hype. <laughs> less hype? Why? <laughs> Just like... I don't, uh, I don't know. I, Go ahead, I, Pam. Rant. Okay, so I mean, I feel no need to get the Apple Watch. I mean, I feel the need to make things for Apple Watch in order to make money because I love money. But, like, I mean, <clears throat> is, isn't the Pebble, I mean, the Pebble is, like, 99 probably, like, sometimes, like, $70 now. Then, like, why would you ever need an Apple Watch? Like, why can't you just use a Pebble? Like, you can program the thing yourself, and it's e-ink. Like, uh, if I got a smartwatch, it would be a Pebble. At least I think this this is probably like maybe maybe just over time I get more you know I use mechanical keyboards and I want my e ink uh, watch and I'm just turning into a reasonable adult. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think that anybody's gonna make money on Apple Watch apps. Uh, I don't think you any know, it's, like it's like that secondary. Thing. I think we've talked about this before. It's like that secondary thing where like you you're a product and you have to have an app because you have a product. Yes. Yes. That's true. Although, like, I, I feel like most of the times I use the watch with apps. It's usually notifications I get from my phone, which you don't need an app installed to get. Um, I actually only use two apps on the phone. They're both uh, transit-related. But all my other apps, like Slack and Twitter and things, uh, they have apps on the watch, but I don't actually use them. I just get the notifications and then deal with them at that point. The one app you showed me last night seemed to be well-designed and readable. Was it the tr- transit one? Yeah. Was that built by... Patco is that a general transit app? No, no. There's an app for iOS called Transit. Um, it has a green icon, and yeah, it will by default you open the app and it shows your location and all the upcoming uh, train times near you and bus times. Um, so I use it all the time to check. I take Patco from Philadelphia to New Jersey, and I use it all the time to check when the train's going to be there, and it's really accurate. At least Patco's usually on time, so it's accurate. I can't speak to SEPTA trains. Uh, it will also get you an Uber if you want one. And when I was in Boulder last week, uh, it was showing like local bus routes too. Uber actually seems really compelling just because whenever I get an Uber, I'm just like staring at my phone for like whenever for the next five minutes until it comes. 
I've done that a few times where, yeah, so there is an Uber app on the watch that I use also in addition to transit. Um, and I don't use it to hail a, a cab. I use it to check when it's going to be here. Yeah. So, so I'm not like staring at my phone, like you said, waiting for it to show up. I can just glance at my watch and it shows you the ETA and a map of where the driver is. Um, but I don't use any other apps on the watch. Like there are, I, I use the built-in ones for like fitness tracking. I know you can do like RunKeeper and other things, but I don't, I don't use those. Um, there's like Amazon on here. I have Chipotle, uh, Foursquare, like all these things. The essentials. Are, all these things are just better on the phone. Like there's no reason to use these on your watch at all. Like I can, I can pull out my, my phone to find a place to eat once a day. <laughs> you know, I don't need to browse Foursquare on my, on my watch. Plus holding your wrist up to your face and like scrolling with the other hand is really awkward, uh, stance. But the thing I do like about the watch is getting notifications on it and dealing with them right away, which you don't need any apps installed to do. Maybe there'll be some killer app that comes out that will change everything, but I, I have not seen it yet. How often do you charge your watch now? Nightly. Yeah, and it never goes under like 50%, so I probably could go two days without charging it. I do want this fit cat watch face that looks really cool. <laughs> the one picture the cat's wearing a scuba mask. It's so cool. That's for when you're walking underwater. Oh, okay. Can you make new Apple Watch faces? Like, do they have them, and can you make your own? No. Oh, well, that bleh. all the ones that come with it are. Oh, right, in. because it's it's the like and it's the Apple dictation of like this is the way <laughs> that's the like things should look. That's a cool voice. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the watch faces are built in, and all the complexions are built in as well. Um, so, for instance, I use a watch face that has a calendar on it, but I wish I had a different calendar because this calendar takes up three lines to say Turing incomplete 8.45 to 9.45 a.m. Skype. Or I really just wanted to say 8.45 Turing incomplete, and then I would just, that's enough information for me. Uh, and then I can see more calendar items instead of just one. There's a Mickey face, which is the most whimsical one on there. There's also a, a Living Earth one, which is kind of cool, but I like seeing the time digitally. You know, I almost forgot about a talk that I saw at uh, LambdaConf. Uh, Andy McClure presented the Emily programming language, and it was really cool. I saw a presentation on that when I was in New York. Really? Did they did they say why it's called Emily? She did not. It there was a slow clap uh, when she said it was. Um, it's because it's a little Emily. Ah, that's great. That's and it was fun. awesome because they they were remote and they they like you know it like it suddenly got like silent in the room because everyone just like wanted to like giggle and slow clap because it was so good because <laughs> it's a little Emily. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's really uh it's a really interesting language. Uh, everything is a function. Uh, all the operators are macros to actual function somewhere. So it's really easy to read, like the source code uh, of the standard library. Is it? Yeah. Wait, is it Lispy? So when I saw our talk, it um, it was actually on a panel about people writing languages. So I didn't really see um, I didn't really see the <clears throat> language itself. Um, is it Lisp? It's a little. It's a little ML-y. Uh, it's like an ML with blocks. Uh, which I know they do, but like so, yeah. You just have to go look at the syntax. Um, it has this weird uh, caret operator to denote a function, um, but beyond that, it's pretty standard syntax and pretty easy to read. Uh, yeah, I really like it. I want to play more with it. Um, I would wish there was an HTTP server and so I could write my, my URL shortener, but maybe I could make one. 
She is, really... the, is the is the language online yet? Yeah, yeah. You can uh, you can you can. Can you drop the link in the show notes? Yes. Uh, you can brew install it. Uh, somebody made a tap for it, um, but it's still a very uh, very much like in development. On Bitbucket. Yes, it's on Bitbucket. Are you guys Which ready for picks? Apparently, Javon doesn't like. <laughs> but oh yeah, we could do picks. So my pick is this podcast cardboard which is all caps, exclamation point. Uh, it's by Rich Summer, who uh, played Harry in Mad Men. It's a good introductory uh, board game podcast. You know, part of the problem with uh, board games is like what Pam was talking about uh, with technology being like associated with nerddom. Um, there's a big wide gap between what like Scrabble and Monopoly and uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and there's tons of mechanics and tons of different board games that could appeal uh, in a lot of different ways uh, to a lot of different people. And this is much more um, like newbie friendly podcast. Uh, and he's, it's more of like board game advocacy versus um, anything else. So yeah, my pick is cardboard. Justin, do you have a pick? Yeah, I'll pick uh, Madison plus Ruby. Um, there is a, I guess, group of conferences in Madison, Wisconsin called Madison plus. And there's a Madison plus Ruby and a UX and there might be a JavaScript one. Uh, anyway, this is the last Madison plus Ruby this year. Uh, it's a two-day conference. Uh, early bird pricing is three hundred dollars. And you're saying it's the last one? Like they aren't going to do it again? The last one. They're not going to do I've, it again. Oh wow! I've heard really good things about Madison Ruby. So me too. That's why I want to go. Yeah. Uh, so they've registered. Oh, and it right looks now. like they have a they have some some scholarships too. So cool. Yeah, check that out. Cool. I found a pick. It's still not. I still know I found something else. But I'm gonna pick the Unix history repository, uh, which I'm like 80% sure I haven't picked because I think I just started recently. But it's a Git repository representing the Unix source code history starting from the 1970s and ending in modern time. Ba 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 ba. Uh, so that sounds really cool. So it's it is an interesting historical project because I think you know I think with computers especially like we end up we end up losing a lot of our history. You know. Especially in like, you know, literally our media becomes unreadable. It's one of those interesting things that, you know, steampunk librarians think about. Like, if, you, if you're if you like, oh, let's transfer all of our data to, uh, to you know, to CDs. That'll be true and good forever. We'll never have machines that don't have CD drives. Uh, so, it's interesting because now it's all, all in Git and it's on GitHub. So. Cool. Javon, do you have a pick? Yes. Um, my music pick is... A group called Run the Jewels, and their albums are named after them. So it's Run the Jewels and Run the Jewels 2. Pretty smart fellas. Um, good music. And my programming pick is Foreclosure. It's like a project Euler-type site for closure. So it's just math problems. And there's a list of them, and you just go through them and solve them. And that's it. Cool. So show notes are at turing.cool slash 51. Follow us on Twitter at TuringCool, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. 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 I think I don't want to watch, but I also think I'm going to buy a watch. An Apple Watch? <laughs> yeah. There's some part of me that just has to buy everything Apple makes. Yeah, I have that part, too. <laughs> I don't even want to watch, though. That's a problem. I, I wear a watch, so I'm kind of already used to it.
I used to wear, well, now that I have a keyboard, maybe it'll make more sense, but I actually stopped wearing it because of my MacBook. My wrist like rested on that like sharp edge of the MacBook Pro. Yeah. And then I would just take it off every day and then I'd forget to put it back on and then I just stopped wearing one. Yeah, interesting enough, um, my my regular, uh, we'll call it analog watch, I usually take it off like without hesitation when I'm typing, but the Apple Watch, since it does like notifications and uh, heart, uh, your heart rate, like fitness things, it measures if you're standing or not. I feel obligated to keep it on more, and my wrists have been hurting more the past two weeks. So I, I keep it on while I'm typing, and my my wrist, I guess, is an awkward location. So I just need to get better about like just taking it off and not worry about measuring data while I'm working. We should just do our picks, and how we love that out of the way when they come on. No, maybe we shouldn't. It's more editing for me. <laughs> Everyone should just email me their pics. Just make an MP3 and send it to me. <laughs> oh, what if? Oh, I wonder how hard it would be to write an app like that. To what? What if we like uh, could do like a? Uh, it probably wouldn't sound very conversational at all. But if we could do like a asynchronous podcast. Oh, jeez. Where you like could send an MP3 and then respond to it whenever. That could be cool. But there, it it would need to be easier than like. Uh, that yeah man none of these straps have any reviews yet but they're only 40 bucks <laughs> that's 10 percent of the price of the other one i kind of had an, a couple app ideas that were like around uh audio like that really yeah like i was thinking and maybe it makes more sense with the watch now like it makes sense for me always because i always have headphones on but i know everyone just talks to their watch now but like like say you were reading a book and you were like i don't know learning um learning haskell and you could just take notes in your watch and then like listen to it back like a podcast. So you could like study in the car. Just to be clear, I have not talked to my watch yet. I saw you talk to your watch. Don't lie. Wait. Okay, I use Siri once in a while. You, s- you sent like a text message. Yeah, it was Siri. That's talking to your watch. What else, <laughs> what else would... Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I was, I was imagining more like have a conversation with somebody like Star Trek communicator style. I wish it had uh like you know, like the old Motorola's with the push to talk. Yeah. I wish I wish it had that so I could like send an audio message from the watch. That would be really really handy. You can do it. You can do it now, but it requires a lot of tapping. Do you remember how annoying it was when everyone had those stupid phones all the time? It was great. No, it and then like in the middle of a Wawa, and then your phone would start beeping with some really embarrassing information. So when was Pam's class over? I don't know. She wanted to record at 8.50. Whoa! A wild Javon appears. I've been here for a really long time. Have you? <laughs> he does that. Creeper. No. no, let's see. What's the word I'm thinking of? Silent but deadly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Were you here long enough to hear my excitement about these really cheap Apple Watch bands on Amazon? Mm, they're in the reviews. And... I, found, I found one with seven reviews. It looks decent. Not people will think I'm loaded. Looks like a metal band. You really like those metal bands. I do. I don't like uh, I don't like leather or or uh, what is this called? Fluorelastomer. <laughs> uh, the one the sport bands. I don't I don't like those kind of bands. They're, they've been fine. It's, this is the first watch I've had that does not have a metal band, and it's been okay. But uh, the second that I got like sweaty from it being hot outside, humid, I was, it was uh, untenable. I thought metal would be worse like that. I never wore a metal watch. Yeah, the metal just pulls my hair. Oh, oh no. You have the hairy arms. Uh, 
No, it, it's it's fine. It it doesn't stick to your skin like the, the rubber. And I've never worn a leather watch either. That would probably be a little different. Your watch is leather, right, Jerron? No, it's rubber. I think. Yeah, it's rubber. It's not leather. I think I've had a leather watch in the past. I'm not sure. I do have a metal watch, like your silver one, though, and just can't do it. Rips your hairs. Yeah, it's heavy. And... I like the weight. Get used to it really quickly. Are you going in the office today, Jervon? No. You've not been in the office for a long time. Uh, I'm on vacation this week. Oh, really? And last week I was using on my remote days. Are you going anywhere, or is it just a staycation? It's just a staycation. Mostly to just, like, relax and do some programming. How's that going? Good. What are you, what are you in programming? My closure talk. Oh, yeah? And yesterday, my Git talk. Your Git talk went, went really well. Thanks. At Software's Craft, Philadelphia, scphilly.org. What's your closure talk on? Um... The relevance of closure script with ES6. I'm thinking I might change that, but I'm not sure yet. To what? Um. Javon cut out. Uh. No, sorry. Like, <laughs> Stop talking. I hit mute by mistake. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, that's cutting out. Yeah. Um. I kind of want to talk about some closure script specific talks. I mean, topics. Um. Instead of going into JavaScript stuff. Okay. Because 15 minutes seems like a lot, but like so far with my outlines, it seems like it's kind of going to be scattered. I should rein it in a little bit, I guess. It's up to me to do that. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I, I have the same problem where I try to fit too much into a, a really tight time frame. Mm-hmm. I have that problem with, I mean, I think with languages that transpile to JavaScript, if you're giving it to like a general audience, sometimes it can be tricky because if a decent percent of that audience doesn't know JavaScript, then, like, nothing makes sense. Everybody knows some JavaScript. No, they don't. <laughs> some. Like, I probably know the least amount of anybody in this podcast. Yeah, but, but they don't know the like the essential parts that make, like, languages that transpile to JavaScript better or easier than JavaScript. Oh, like... Protodipal inheritance and... Undefined and... Closures and... Yeah. That is true. But this is a tracked conference. Uh, so there are tracks, I'm sure. I'm hoping most of the people that pick the JavaScript track will know some basic JavaScript. I mean, it doesn't matter. I can explain stuff. But you're right. You do run into that problem. Is it a closure conference? No. I don't know how to describe these conferences. How do you describe ETE? Uh, enterprise Conference for Merging Technologies. <laughs> this conference does not know itself as an enterprise conference, but it is a multi-track conference with topics for each. Maybe I should go on the website and see what they say. QCon, right? Yeah, QCon New York. 